This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club, brought to you by Zwift. Jump on your Zwift Hub One and jump into Zwift. Welcome along. Right, G, how's training? All good, Tom. Yeah, fully in the swing of things. It's going well. It's nice to be back here in a bit of a routine. So Max here. Max is back in yeah. school. Well, school, preschool, three hours a day. But yeah, it's nice having that real routine again now. Fully in the regime, fully in the bunker. Enjoying it. You kind of feel like after a week or so, you know, you start craving like three or four days. You crave a bit of sweetness or the odd beer or a glass of wine. But you break the back of that and then it's you're done. You you've you're over it then. Go 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 cold cold turkey and uh you're good. So um fully in the swing of things. How about you? How's January been? Nice. January's been good. The cold turkey thing's strange at this time of the year, isn't it? Because when you're going cold turkey, you probably are literally still having cold turkey. <laughs> um cold tofu, Tom, for you. Cold tofu in my case. Yeah, I did um I did a my own endurance event last week. It was the Cheshire Cross Country Championships. Oh. Um there is no glamour really in cyclocross in Britain and there is certainly no glamour in cross country running. The Cheshire Cross Country Championships were three laps of a load of farmers field and you could smell what sort of animal had been on the field before you had been. Oh. Which may be well, having finished the race, I then spent the next 24 hours being sick. Um, but look, weight <laughs> loss is really? weight loss. Yeah, oh. did yeah. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. How far was the race then? How long was it? The race was 10K, but it's more about the conditions. It's the, it's the mud, it's the slop. Um, did I do a, jo- a decent job for the GTCC? Uh, I was 28th out of 132 people. Over the oh. senior men over the age of eighteen, so you know my advanced years. That's a little victory for the GTCC, isn't it? Yeah, fair play, chapeau. I, yeah, I'll take that. I've I've seen you run as well. You, you're not bad. You're not bad. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I whenever I do a cross country race and people go past me, I console myself by thinking that I might be a better bike racer than them. And when I'm bike racing and people go past me, I just tell myself that if this was a running race, maybe it'd be the other way around. Yeah, whatever works, mate, whatever works. Exactly. Now, you are off to Tenerife soon, and it really does feel soon, because you don't usually go this early in the year, do you? No, I was thinking about this earlier. I think altitude-wise, I've been in Feb a couple of times, maybe, but I don't think I've gone in January. Um, I think I might come to Mallorca once in Feb. I've been to South Africa in Feb with Froomey. That was that was good. That was an experience. We were in Crystal Springs. Uh, me, mm. Froomey, Tim, and Rosman the Swanee. Tim was our coach at the time, and some chef that um, Froomey knew from down that way somewhere. And that was a great little trip. Monkeys breaking into the house, stealing food, <laughs> all sorts of jazz. I remember we were riding along. Saw this. It ends up being a cow, but. I've, <laughs> Because we were in South Africa, I thought it was a big white lion at first. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Big white horned lion. <laughs> and then we got a bit... Look at the udders like, on what? that lion. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh no, yeah, it's a cow. I, was like, I thought that was a lion then. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Uh, first time in January up in Tenerife. So looking forward to it. It's um, in a weird way, in a bit of a sadistic way. Because you kind of 
the process is hard, but the outcome generally 99% of the time is good. So, um, yeah, go up there, get stuck into a good two weeks. The rest of the boys are doing three, but oh, I feel like two is enough for me up there. I feel like I can really get into it then. If three is just a bit too long to be fully for me, I kind of feel. so. A bit draggy. Yeah. You can kind of always sort of see the end when it's two and you can fully go 100%. Um, when it's three, I feel like you kind of have to throttle back to like 97%, say, and then it's still good. But yeah, I don't know. It's what I'm used to anyway. So yeah, that's the plan for me. Head up there, Tom. So um, yeah, as I, I said, like looking forward to it. Mm. There is something about January in the world of cycling where like, we might only be a couple of weeks into the new year, but the fact we are in 2024, I think enables you to look ahead to the year's racing or the early part of the year's racing in a way that it's much harder to in December. You can start thinking about the traditional charms of Tour Down Under and you can start thinking about Omloop and riding across fl flat, windy, cobbly places in Northern Europe. Yeah, Algarve and stuff. It's always nice down there. Mm. Start down there. Um, but yeah, you kind of feel on the bike as well. You start to feel a bit better. You know, you've shifted a bit of weight. You've got some good couple of months under your belt. Um, you travel a bit quicker up the climbs and stuff. So and racing's just around the corner. And before you know it, it'll be another season done. That's kind of how it goes. As soon as you start racing and you start the whole, the traveling, you know, training camp, home for a week, race, home for a week, race, home for a couple of days, training camp, all that jazz. It just goes by in a flash. And then before you know it, you're 37, turning 38. You're like, where the hell did that go? So basically, yeah. Yeah, that is the way it goes. Well, I said something else that's gone pretty fast. And that is the appeal we did last week for a GTCC phonetic alphabet. The response to this has been I think probably as we expected, pretty good, pretty good. Suggestions are coming from pretty much everyone. Um, here's the first one. This came through on social media. This is from Ken Graham, who is a recreational pilot. He said he was shouting out all the answers to us as he listened along in the cockpit last week. Um, I'm sure he wasn't alone in that one. We had some great <laughs> suggestions. Geraint Rowlands on Twitter. A couple of his that um, I want to run past you, see what you think. E for echelon. Nice. Yeah, I'll give him that. Is that echelon? Is that an English word? No, that's that's a French word. I would say. That's. Mm. Do you think that is disqualified on the basis that it's a French word? Possibly, but it still works. We'll give him it. Okay. Uh, what about F for Fignon? Fignon for F. Well, again, that's not really British, is it? English, but he is a bit of a legend. So yeah, we'll we'll pass that one for sure. Okay, um, your shout, if anyone hasn't heard this or has forgotten, your shout of of knickers for K, um, which doesn't work <laughs> on any level, phonetic yeah. or otherwise, um, needs to go. Sue Carroll had a suggestion uh, for M, which was um, Mandy. Oh, 100% in. That's a good one. I like it. Okay. People sometimes struggle with W. Um, Nathaniel has made it clear that we don't need to struggle by suggesting what's occurring. Fair play, can't argue with that. Although, no, no, maybe just Watts, seeing... Watts would be enough, wouldn't it? Yeah, Watts, but yeah, nah, I obviously see where he's coming from. So, <laughs> yeah, wheel kind of jumped straight to mind for me, but anyway, yeah. Watts occurring, yeah, sweet. 
Weird would be quite straightforward. Uh, Deb Paquin suggested, and this is a, a lovely touch, Deb, and um, I think shows that you probably need to be involved on Wednesday nights at 6pm. ZG has to be... Gobby Swift. Of course it has. Of course it has. Um, there is there also, go, in most of the lists that I saw, most people got to X and just went for X-ray. And I know we don't talk about the C word on this podcast X-ray is okay because you can have an X-ray and you can come up clear and you can get the all clear to carry on racing. Sound good? Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think we went through this in the last one, but is it X-ray anyway? Yeah, I or think it is. <laughs> I think a cycling specific X-ray, maybe in your honour, um, it's a collarbone X-ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't even think of any other X words. Anyway, I think we should move on pretty quickly, Tom. Okay, in that case, uh, speaking of Zwift, we also wanted to give a big shout out to Stephen Elliott Wright, who listened to last week's show with the Pluski while completing stage two of Tour de Zwift. So let us know how you're getting on with the Tour de Zwift for a shout out on next week's pod. Stage three is now live. In the meantime, G, let's get a man on who fills your belly. Let's do it. Well, G, we have got a bit of exciting news for our fellow GTCC members. We have partnered with Ketone IQ. We have, Tom. Um, do you know what it is? You've got to help me out here. I know it's something to do with ketones, but I don't know what ketones are. Come on, what <laughs> is it? Um, ketones are basically a different energy source for your body, really. So we use them in the team, mainly for performance and recovery, you know, kind of go hand in hand, really. But you can also use them for cognition. That's kind of a posh word, isn't it? But... It's for like focus, really. So, you know, I know of some guys sat in an office, take it and help them, well, focus basically for work or whatever they're doing. This sounds potentially very handy for a man who, like you, likes cycling or like me, likes talking and writing about cycling and sometimes needs to focus a little bit more. Yeah, you could definitely do with it every now and again, Tom. But um, they've kind of been around for a few years now. Everyone kind of thought that we were taking ketones like years and years ago, but it took us a while to actually even start it because the team wanted to do a lot of research and read papers and, you know, make sure it was doing what it says, basically. Um, so, yeah, but first kind of heard about it, HVMN from Cam in LA. He was raving about it. Oh, Cam Worth. Exactly, yeah. And you know what he's like. He talks a lot. So you got to take everything he says sometimes with a pinch of salt. But to be fair to him, this was one time when he was actually uh, talking a bit of sense. Nice. So give me a bit more detail here. Let's get down to nitty gritty. When do you use it? Uh, you can use it at the start of training. It can kind of help you there or for recovery. Um, we use it primarily for recovery after the stages and stuff, but another way of fueling your body really. And it tastes a lot better. A couple of years ago, they used to be oh, horrible, absolutely horrible. But now now they're a lot better. That is great news. I was going to ask you about the flavour because let's be honest, something can be really, really good for you. If it tastes disgusting, you're going to do it once and never again. Exactly. So if you want to try HVMN's Ketone IQ, then visit hvmn.com forward slash GTCC for 30% off your first subscription order. Yes, that's hvmn.com forward slash GTCC for 30% off your first subscription order. Go on, give it a try. 
Did you know that bananas are bad for monkeys? Did you know about all the pubs in the Houses of Parliament? Do you know how to make a curry in space? It's mind-blowing, but don't take our word for it. We've got a podcast that interviews zookeepers, politicians, astronauts, and everyone in between. And if you want hilarious stories and to learn about the weird and wonderful people of the world, then you should go and listen to our show, Things People Do, with me, Joe Marler. And me, Tom Fordyce. Search for Things People Do wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Tom. So our guest today is the man behind our team's meals and food all year round, from grand tours, classics to training camps. He's the the undisputed king of the Ineos food truck. Welcome to the GTCC head chef that he likes to be called chef, James Ford. Uh, For I was going to call you Fordyce then. Forsyth, James Forsyth. James, you wouldn't want my cooking. <laughs> Cheers, G. Thanks for the intro. You have to start calling me king now instead of chef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, you always see it in those kitchens, Tom. It's like, yes, chef, yes, chef. It's always called James Chef, but um, you're not the biggest fan of being called chef, are you? It, not really. It's a bit of a funny one. I don't, you, you don't walk around calling everyone else by the name of their profession. Rider. So, yeah. Doc, I, I, doc. Call, I call all the docs Doc. Doc, yeah. I, I call, still don't know their names. <laughs> <laughs> I do call you a rider back, though, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. am slightly disappointed, James, that you're not wearing the, the quintessential chef's hat, the high white uh, paper hat as seen in Ratatouille. <laughs> well, I don't know how to cook an egg a hundred ways, so I don't think I can, uh, really? I can justify wearing one of those. Yeah. Um, gee, have you been watching Boiling Point at all on iPlayer? No, I've seen trailers, though. Yeah. It makes me think, James, that your um, your day job runs uh, involves running around being massively stressed, shouting at people in a slightly passive-aggressive way if the way they've cut the carrots doesn't quite make, meet your satisfaction. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like that here, to be honest, in this kitchen, <laughs> on this training camp, you know, working with, uh, working with other chefs who are maybe not quite at the skill level, but... Um, but, you know, we um, we spend most of the year working by ourselves, or all of the year, more or less. So, um, you know, there's there's no one to run around shouting at, so we have to sort of internalise quite a lot. Do you just cook for the riders at this? So we're in December training camp, so all third, or 28 riders are here, loads of staff. You just cook for the riders? Or does everyone get stuck in? Yeah, this camp, um, this year, for the first time, we're just cooking for riders. Right. Because um, it used to be everyone, like 60-odd people, right? Yeah, and the rest. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think my first year here, I was alone cooking for the whole team. I believe it was we were with like eighty people almost every day. What? So. Oh. Yeah. So it's, can tell it, actually, it's a lot nicer now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit more time, I guess, um, these days. So before we get into all this, just a bit of background, Tom. Do you know where James came from? No, not where he was born. Like his previous jobs. I mean, tell me, James. Um, Big time. So, well, yeah, the significant places, I guess. Um, I, I started in small, small village, Lincolnshire, but then moved out to London. Um, I worked for a, a chef called Phil Howard, um, who owned a restaurant called The Square at the time. It was a two Michelin star French restaurant. Um, to Heston Blumenthal's Ooh. dinner in the Mandarin Oriental. You've been there, Tom? Alas, no, uh, but I am familiar with Heston. His glasses, his uh, Dave Brailsford-style head, but also his molecular cooking. Yeah, I went to the duck. The fat duck, is it? 
the fat duck. The fat in duck, yeah. James got us in there, yeah, yeah. That was quality. How many courses did you go for? Like something ludicrous, like eight or 12? Yeah, something like that. We went for the pairings as well. We went in at like seven, half seven, left at midnight. It's great. It's like a whole experience, isn't it? Maybe we could have that tonight, mate. Yeah, we could do. We could wrap this up quick. I could whip up 18 courses for you. Look yeah. at James's face. So James, I've got so many practical questions, right? Having um, covered a Tour de France, um, from a media perspective, there are various things you see. I never noticed the kitchen trucks. So can you tell me, first of all, what the kitchen trucks look like? If one of our GTCC members was stepping on board, what they would see, how much space there is, what they've got to work with? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a dream vehicle, to be honest. And, you know, in, in, in my eyes, um, it, it looks very similar from the outside to our mechanics trucks, um, you know, a standard 12-meter wagon, um, pop-out sides. Um, and then we've got a kitchen um, that takes up half of that space um, and a dining room, which is where the pop-out sides are, um, which is the other half. Um, and, yeah, for me, it's really quite a perfect a perfect place to work. Everything's a couple of steps away. Um, we've got all the you know the mod cons you'd need in a in a high end kitchen. Um, you know, a, a lovely dining room. We've got a Mozzarco coffee machine in there, um, courtesy of Chiato. Good coffee machine and grinder. And grinder. That double grinder he's got. It's like double grinder, thousand decaf as well, Tom. Oh. You know? Yeah. yeah. Got to so, think of the night time. <laughs> what, I'm assuming we're running off gas here, are we, James? Because you're portable? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a mixture, actually, yeah. So we have GPL, uh, but also we, we a lot of it runs off electricity as well, um, like the oven, for example. But, but yeah, we're cooking on gas. Okay. Cooking on gas. Like it. Um, but how many hogs? That's quite a lot, Tom. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's like going to the all the lights go out buffing him like oh it's uh it's always trying to eat you chef. time as well normally <laughs> yeah normally five minutes before we have to we have to serve food <laughs> you walk in it's dark <laughs> food's not ready candlelit yeah. meals are a lovely yeah. thing yeah yeah we get nice vibes in there when it's iphone torches like. <laughs> um, what about number of hobs you have to work with james uh just the two two um yeah the two gas hobs um yeah, it can make it tricky at times, but that's that's where you've got to manage your time and manage your menu. So um, we do have little portable induction stoves as well. So, you know, if you are sort of swimming, you can whip one of those out and, you know, cook a little bit on there also. Have you always had the truck when you joined the team? Did we have the truck? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I joined the same year you got the truck. Right. I'm um, 2015. So, yeah, I think it was fairly new to the team. So, yeah, it was a case of kind of setting it up as well, you know, and, yeah. and, and figuring it all out. Because when they brought it up about having this kitchen truck, initially I was a bit like, oh, I don't know, I'm not so sure because you kind of want to be in a restaurant, you know, see other people, not just the same faces all the time. But since having it, it's, like, it's so much better. Is it? Just everything's there for a start, similarly for when James is cooking. But for us, like you don't have to, I don't know, it's just norm. You just go in there, you have your same seat, you know, it's just very routine and that's where you end up like loving as a rider is that same routine. Um, and yeah, it's just not, when you're in a, ever in a restaurant, the most annoying thing is when random people come up to your little table 
taking your food. Oh. And there's big reserve in your signs everywhere, you know. It's blatantly different food to the big buffet that they can get. They're always honing in on our stuff. Oh, and there's nothing more awkward than being like, uh, excuse me, mate, that's that's our food. You, you can't <laughs> eat that. I always leave it to someone else. I'm always like, hey, Luke, Luke. <laughs> yeah, that's our food, Luke. mate. Yeah, go and tell them, go and tell them. Yeah, and it, it's having that consistent environment as well, isn't it? We do stay in some some hotels and there's some restaurants that, you know, they're just a bit of a dive, aren't they? Yeah. And you've just got a nice... What about when we don't have the truck place. and you have to go different hotel every night? That must be so hard. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it ups the workload for sure. I mean, we, we try and offer the same service and, and the same setup, whether you're in the kitchen truck or in the kitchen van or just cooking out of a hotel. So, you know, it's having to go into a restaurant and actually set up the dining room as you're familiar with. So, so yeah, it's a bit more of a graft. But um, And some hotels don't even let you in, right? Yeah. Into the kitchen. Yeah, there's, there's one or two. Um, even Tenerife, they don't, they did initially and then didn't? Or? Yeah, yeah. So Tenerife um, up in Tahiti, we can't access the kitchen now. So um, we turn a bedroom into a kitchen. So yeah. we go kind of MacGyver, full MacGyver and... Trussel tables, fridges in the bedroom. What'd you do to piss them off then? What'd you say, mate? Outperformed them, I reckon. It's <laughs> trying to up their standards too much, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this vision, James, of the kitchen truck uh, as a sort of almost a beautiful camper van. And when you're traveling around in a camper van, there's two massive things that are a pain in the ass with the cooking. There's the washing up, because you haven't got unlimited water. And you haven't got much drying space. And then there's the fact that every single time you move, you have to pack everything away. So what's it like on the kitchen truck with those two things? Um, well, fortunately, I have an amazing assistant called Lucas who who drives and sort of takes care of a lot of the, yeah, the setting up of the vehicle. So um, fortunately, I can sort of just focus on the cooking itself, really. But you know, I say we're we're a fully equipped kitchen there, and we've we've got all the all the resources you need to, you know, professional washing machine, um, you know, nice big sink. Don't it wash the cups and like you can choose settings, but it's like a minute to three minutes. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, I've one of them in my house. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> makes life easier. That's for sure. Are they more yeah. expensive than a normal dishwasher then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, those things are about four grand. Four oh, grand. Four grand a piece. Yeah. I'll let it take two hours in. But, yeah. You wouldn't want one in your kitchen, though. Uh, ugly things. Ah, just get a nice door put on the top. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I think, gee, wait until the last week uh, of the last year of your last contract and then just uh, arrange for Sasa meet you with the car right next to the kitchen truck and just stick it in the boot. And what can they do? You've gone. Give Lucas a bit of backhand. Slip him something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask about um, like shopping, like getting the food, because during COVID, you had someone specifically just to do the shopping, right? Mm. Most of the time, do you have to do it now? Yeah, yeah. So we traditionally shop by ourselves. Yeah. Mm. So um, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd look around the areas, we'd look on our routes and we'd find the best the best places to pick up, the best quality produce. Um you know, around the hotel or on the way. So, um, some organizing that, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, but it's, um, it's a nice part of the job though, because, you know, the, one of the beautiful things about this job is that we can travel around Europe. And mm. it, it also means that if you go shopping, you're sort of, you're engaging and you're interacting with, you know, with, with the locals, with, with the local produce as well. So, um, 
you know, I'll take the hit on the organizing and, and going out of the way and losing time to, to you know, be inspired by, by what's local. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, chef of heart, look, see. I want to know more about this, James, because a lot of our members will have travelled around France at, at different times, whether on holiday or riding their bikes. So if the dream scenario is that there is a local market with farmers' produce and you can get everything you need there, um, if there is no locally sourced products available and you have your pick of the major French supermarkets... Which is the winner? And you're going to have to help me out with some names here. I'll give you an Ile Leclerc. I'll give you an Auchan. I'll give you a Carrefour. What else we got? Carrefour. <laughs> is that how you're supposed to say it? Probably not. Huh. Carrefour. 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 Oh, okay. Carrefour, but Marche <laughs> U. Nice. Super, super, super U? I wouldn't choose any of those, to be honest. Um, yeah. Casino? There's a, nice. there's a little known, it doesn't seem to be super popular and it's not very out there, but there's a supermarket called Grand Frais, oh. uh, which means big fresh. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. translation. <laughs> you can't say Grand Frais. Um, but it's, it, it's just an outstanding, it's, I'd say it's the best supermarket in Europe, to be honest. Um, it, yeah, everything is super fresh it's produce exotic produce from around the world it's only ever seasonal local produce as well um and a great array as well so is there any in nice there is actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the way on the road north if you carry on oh you yeah. mentioned it before the 202 yeah. off yeah. the 202 must be that one yeah. ah you go past the big car for yeah yeah and it's just behind there yeah ah so yeah, I should be like nice still probably it? won't go there to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it's like, you just get so lazy, you just like go two minutes away, don't you? Yeah, you do. Whatever the closest like supermarket is. Do you think, James, like because your your, your riders are very, very hungry on a on a grand tour, right? If you were to go to rather than Big Fresh, if you were to go to E Leclerc or Aldi, like would they notice? Um not oh, I would, I'd, I'd, I'd kick off, mate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because your standard is good, but you know it slips every now and again, mate. Yeah. It's still <laughs> that's that's because of Aldi, mate. That's Aldi. <laughs> no, um, to be honest, like they're all amazing. Like John, the other chef, he um he worked with you at um this Heston place, right? Yeah, yeah. We met in dinner. Yeah, yeah. So like they're all really good, but it's also good that they are very different. Like James is like into like your Asian type or it seems to be anyway you yeah. love doing that and that's amazing and then John's a bit more sort of um, street food style almost you know John's the I was going to say the cool one you're cool as well mate uh, John's cooler than me he's got that's his tats true. and you know he lives in Berlin and you know he likes his coffee you know and he's that type of chef which is great and then you've got James who's yeah the Asian sort of thing on it and um it works really well. Like, some, do you still swap out in the Grand Tour? Is that going to be, or you or? Yeah, I think we're going to try and do that again this next year. I think it worked well, didn't it? Yeah, you get a bit yeah. more variation. And to be honest, it, it varies. That must be the hardest bit because I think of like you know when you're thinking, what am I going to have for dinner? I mm. can think of three things. <laughs> Whereas in a Grand Tour, James and John, they both, and I always call John James and James John. But anyway, um, you. Every day, nothing's ever the same. They always like mix it up so much and they're so limited as well in um, what they can use. Well, you tell me, but you know, when it comes to fats and sodium, like salt and stuff, like 
they have to be real quite strict a lot of the time but it's still that's the amazing thing that's the thing that blows my mind is the variety and the different things they can still do with a carrot you know what I mean <laughs> like and a bit of chicken what they can do with that is just insane yeah that's that's one of the great challenges of the job you know especially when you're third you know three weeks into a grand tour that you know you're absolutely shattered you've been using pretty much the same produce for the last two and a half to three weeks and it's you know trying to come up with dishes or cook something that's still going to make you want to eat it and be tasty and interesting um, you know, and especially like you said, with the nutritional guidelines, um, you know, we'd, we'd be low res, low fiber, no fat in the last week yeah. and that really limits it. So, so yeah, it gets you, definitely gets you thinking. We should make what? a book, Tom. It's definitely, good, it's definitely a book in this. There's no yeah. two ways about it. I'm already thinking, James, like how many options in the kitchen truck and a grand tour, if I'm somehow in there for my tea, Right, how many options are there? Is there a fish dish, a meat dish, a veggie dish? What have we got? Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got all of those. So we we do a buffet, um, and between seven or nine dishes we'll have up there. Really, um, so, each day? Yeah, each day. Yeah, <sighs> these boys they need a lot to keep them happy. So um, demanding, Tom. Very yeah. demanding. Yes, we've got we've got soup. We've got a meat dish, a fish dish. Normally, two vegetable dishes. Um, probably a legume dish. Um, there's always rice, rice. and pasta. Uh, That's good. They've upped their pasta game recently. So we have a blackboard <sighs> and they mix it up a bit. Like, so you have four maybe choices of pasta dish. And then after a week or so, they might take one out, put another one in. Um, but oh, that's good. It made fresh as well. So, you know, and then obviously this is probably one of the changes as well was now we say the amount we want. I don't know when that sort of came in, but certainly the last two years, maybe, maybe a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that's good. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. We're a lot more, we're a lot more individualized now, aren't we, with our nutrition, I guess. And, um, yeah. you know, everyone has a very specific weight. Um, and yeah. Can you see the weights we're told to have and then what we actually ask for? Yeah. Oh, uh, I interesting. Know you, I know if you're trying to. Cut a bit too much. Mm. Uh, so uh, who, push, yeah, who pushes that, their luck? Uh, gee, you do actually. Uh. You normally say a few grams less. Oh. Yeah. It's because I'm always battling, mate. Always <laughs> battling. Anyone have more? Yeah, Peepo. Mm. Peepo normally just goes off field. He'll have a plan, but then, you know, you're doing maybe 300 grams, but he's had a big day. Yeah. And then he asks for another plate and it's like, geez. That's exactly what I'd expect from Ghana. That's what I yeah. want to hear about Ghana. Yeah. He eats what the hell he wants when he wants because he's got a massive engine. Yeah, for sure. When you're that big and you're burning however much every day, it takes a lot to keep it going, you know. You can go through a pot of like Nutella. Like that's gone off the table. It went, it was on the table for a while. Richie Port got it removed because oh. if he sees it, he puts on weight. And um, he just can't help himself but has to have it. So he got that removed. Now it's kind of come back because people wants it again. Yeah. But he's gone through bottles of that two, three days. Oof. Just him. Like a normal sort of, you know, whatever. How many grams is that? I don't know. 300? Of like, oh, but he likes the Italian one. What's it called? The uh, the Nocciolata. Yeah. That's yeah. healthy apparently. That's not like Nutella. Mm. That's the healthy one. Yeah. James looks rather sceptical about this. Um, yeah. 
What are the other no-nos? What are the things that, that have been dismissed from the table, James? Um, I'm not sure, actually. It's not, it's not a great deal, is there, that you're, that's been sort of banned or removed? A lot of spicy stuff, the sauces. There's been the odd one that's absolutely blown your head off that James has just put in for a laugh, I think. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a good one. That was in the oh. Giro a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Or last year. All that. The world's hottest hot sauce. And I remember that um, we had a training camp in Isla, COVID time. And this, I think this camp has always stuck in my mind because it's the best food I've ever had. Like that week or however long it was, 10 days. Mm. It was insane. Like there was only four of us, I think. Mm. James was just whacking up these unbelievable meals. And um, one day there was this wasabi and the boys had all tried it, super hot. I come in and then they're like, oh yeah have a bit of this, it's all right, or whatever. Big dollop on. It's like a mustard type of heat though, isn't it? My, I thought my nostrils were just going <laughs> to be on fire. It was unbelievable. But that week, I'll always remember that week, we had this chef from uh, Monaco buying, doing all the shopping, bringing it up because it was full on like um, COVID sort of times, like June maybe, 2020. And... Um, he was buying chicken for like, how much was it? Wow, that chicken. I think it was 38 euros a kilo or something like that. What? Golden chickens? Yeah. Like. It was like Wagyu chicken. Yeah, must have been. Getting a <laughs> massage, yeah. I mean, it, it was all, yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons the food was so good was that the produce was just outstanding. It was all from, you know, Monaco's best butchers and, and then the fish merchants and veg merchants. He so. didn't hold back, did he? Ah. I, I'd hate to know what that will cost. I think that's why we haven't seen him again, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you blew the whole budget. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk practicalities, James. So on a grand tour, what time does your day start and what's your first task? Um, so normally about 6.30, I'd say. My alarm goes off. Um, and then, yeah, it's getting breakfast ready. So, um, yeah, run, run into the kitchen truck and um, get the porridge on. We've we've got a cool rice cooker now that um or that, that turns on automatically, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. I said it the night before, and um, you know that's quite an easy one. Um, but yeah, getting the porridge on. Um, it's quite a simple meal actually. Um, a lot of it's pre-prepared, so it's a case of taking it out the fridge and and getting it ready up on the buffet. Um, yeah, I reckon yeah. I could do breakfast. Yeah. I'm not going it's, to. I'm going to get the sleep. But you know. What is it? Omelettes, I guess, is... Yeah. You must get sick of making omelettes. How many omelettes do you make a year? Oof. Or in the tour, how many omelettes would you make, you reckon? Well, let's say it's um, eight per day times 21. No, times 23 with the rest days. Yeah. Three. Let's call it 500. And what about... Is this, is this, a, is this a two egg omelette, a three egg omelette, egg white omelette? Everyone's different. Um, so everything's as per preference, so... You know, Garner's a four-egg omelette man, is he? No, nah, uh, Garner's actually an egg-white omelette man. Oh. I don't know how he eats them. <laughs> um, so he, he likes an egg-white. G likes uh, three egg-whites and two yolks. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. one yolk. Whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. What are you gaining by losing a yolk? A single yolk? Oh, mate, you try it. You'll, you'll feel amazing. It's five grams <laughs> fat, mate. Yeah, five less grams of fat. Per yolk. Mm. Yeah. Okay. No joke. Is it? Oh, Nice. <laughs> um, yeah what else is there for breakfast that's bread's one thing as well sorry I keep thinking of things that like have changed but bread went out of fashion 
with Tim Kerrison. Mm. Now it's like we've got a a uh, Spanish or Basque um, head nutritionist, and bread is full on back. Yeah, back in big time now, isn't it? Yeah, bread always gets smashed. We do these um South American cornbreads as well. The oh, these are good. A wrapper, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's been that's been around for a few years now since um since Egan joined the team. You don't put the cheese in anymore. No. No, we cut the fat, take yeah. the ricotta mm. out. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the ricotta in there either. Athlete, you know, Tom. That's what it is. It's too much for you. So yeah. you're getting up at half six. You're making breakfast. Um, are you cracking on straight after breakfast with preparing? I guess you're doing all the the music. Sorry to jump in at the minute, Tom, but um, we're actually doing this in Marco's room, and Cameron Worth has turned up. So, you know, Cam FM, Human Radio. Oh yeah. Oh so yeah. There's definitely going to be some noise you're going to hear. <laughs> That's Cam. Okay, just for everyone listening. Hey guys. Yeah. Thanks. Looking yeah. forward to listening live. Yeah. Sorry, Tom. As you were. <laughs> So, James, you've got up half six, you've started making breakfast. Are you then making the food for the for the musettes? Are you making the food for the riders during the stages? Uh, no, no. So that that's not my role. That that lies with the carers on the race. Um, so I'm purely focused on the, the breakfast, the recovery food, which goes on the bus, and then the dinner. Okay. You do a few, you've mixed it up a bit though, haven't you? Like some that chocolate salted thing. Like you, you, you. I can't remember what it was. Like some sort of crispy or some sort of. Because I wasn't the the swannies that came up with it. You kind of tried a few different. Yeah. So. Things. Yeah, I guess. I guess we. Um, yeah, we've been tasked over the years with. Um, yeah. Uh, making some tastier race food. I guess mm. let's call it that. Making something a little bit different. Yeah. So we. Um, yeah, when when we have time, we can maybe experiment with some new flavors of rice cakes or rice crispy cakes or alternative fruit based snacks for the bike. Um, but yeah, generally that's still always made by the carers on race. Mm. What about the the Nutella chat? G has got me thinking. You were the one who introduced me to the flavor of speculus, the Biscoff um, oh, spread. Kick. Yeah, is that allowed? Yeah, Biscoff rice cakes. We don't have the spread on the kitchen truck, though, do we? No. Do you think no, it would we... be allowed? Mm. Well, it's in the mm. same kind of ballpark as Nutella, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I think it just because it's just a bit more manufactured. Well, it might not even be, but the thought you just assume it is, right? At least yeah. the Nutella or whatever has a big hazelnut on the packet, makes you think it's <laughs> rather, than, rather than a massive biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you pretty much pack up, don't you? As soon as the last person's off the bus, truck. I mean, generally that's me. Actually, am I? And you're always the last one. Huh. Yeah, I think you you had most of your meals alone in uh, in, in the, the Giro, recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to spend as much time in bed as possible, and because in the Giro, especially when the later starts or the Vuelta, especially, I. You can't eat four four and a half hours before because you're hungry by this time of the start. Anyway, stay in bed, isn't it? Just makes sense to me. So James, what about the, re the recovery food? So this is for the riders as soon as they get back on the team bus after a stage. Is it talk me through what I'm going to see? Um, it, it's quite simple actually, post-race. Um, I'll cook a protein. So normally a chicken or, a, or some salmon or maybe some tuna. Quite simply flavoured. You know, it's a little bit of flavour on there because I guess you don't want anything too kind of too heavy or too mm. aggressive on the stomach straight after a race. Um, so everyone will have an individual protein box 
Um, there'll be some pasta, which again is plain with with some sauce on the side, like a tomato sauce or a pesto. Um, and there's some rice, which is which is cooked by the bus driver. So, yeah, I mean, it's all quite simple, isn't it? And mm. um, just about the necessity um, straight after a race, really. And then it's all about dinner. You just can't wait for dinner. That's the highlight of the day. Like, oh, what are we going to have? Will there be dessert? That's the other thing, yeah. Yeah, dessert. Like, we're allowed to... more so again now. Like, this nutritionist, the Basque one, quality, isn't he, Ator? We should get him on, Tom, because... Mm. Tim banned everything. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have some nice desserts, especially when it's a, you've just done a big mountain day, you've got another big one to come. Oh, a chocolate fondant or some like lemon. Yeah, I like those. Oh, mate, yeah. Lemon zingy type things. Well, oh, so you're not, you can't have an extra it. yolk. You have to lose a yolk from your three egg omelette, but you're smashing down chocolate fondants. You, you generally have to win to get a chocolate fondant these days, I'd say. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but it's all balanced, Tom. It's all balanced. Cut one thing out, you can have another, can't you? Do an extra <laughs> hour, you can have a cookie. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, gee, what is the best single meal that James has ever prepared for you? Oh, that's tough. Um, I think I'd have to have his, um, is it Japanese omelette? Have, have that to start with. As a bit of like... That ginger you get with um, sushi on top. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Um, it has some wacky black thing. What's the, that black? The okonomiyaki you're talking about. Okonomiyaki. <laughs> it's the one. That one. Um, what is it? What is it, James? Um, it, yeah, it's a Japanese style, um, I guess, pancake, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. potato, cabbage. There's some katsubushi, which is some uh, dried tuna flakes. Um, we have a nice there's a nice Japanese sauce that goes on top that I don't mm. make so this is sounding familiar they can make them in front of you when I was in Japan to cover the Rugby World Cup in 2019 you would go to specialist restaurants where they would cook it on the hot plate in front of you delicious yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. what's that fermented stuff we have in the bottle that's quite spicy but the sriracha no oh. um, like fermented veg or something or kimchi 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 maybe. is that quite spicy yeah Oh, I was having this once. I loved it. I had way too much. I'm telling you, I was up all night. So I was, <laughs> that wasn't a good night. But um, yeah, some meat. It's always a good bit of meat, you know, especially if you're in Italy. A bit of Fiorentina, like all cut up nicely. Yeah, I think I'd probably go with something like that, Tom. You cook territorial as you travel around. Like there's certain things you wouldn't buy in other places. Yeah. Yeah, we try and keep it local, I guess. Yeah, yeah try and, um, you know, if you're in the Basque country, you get, the, you know, the best steak up there or, you know, I mean, Galicia, maybe the best seafood. It's yeah. a bit like being on a cooking like, show then, isn't it? Yeah, well, we were saying we're gonna, we've cuisine. got a book and a TV show coming out next year, mate. Oh, that's the way it hit me. Yeah. That would be my next suggestion. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's only fair uh, for balance that we have to get the other side of the coin here. So if those were the greatest meals that James has ever prepared for you, what were the stinkers? What were the ones where you just pushed your plate away and went, I'm not being funny, James. Have you ever served that again? I'm going to lob it across the kitchen trunk. <laughs> uh, to be fair, no, I had many of them. No, I'm not a big fan of, is it bok choy? That long, like really mm. chewy, like- Very oh, chewy, yeah. flavourless. Cabbage. Yeah. We had this at lunch today. I know I didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of bok choy. Um, but no, honestly, like, in general, it's all, you can't fault it. 
I think one thing that does stand out, not with James, but a previous chef, he made this dessert once and he'd like over um, bicarbed it or something. It was absolutely, honestly, it was disgusting. You couldn't, you couldn't eat it. And I was thinking, did you not try it? Like, that's what chefs do, right? You have a little sample. Exactly, yeah. Mate, it was horrendous. And this dude was always, oh, I'm name and shame, but he was always banging on about having a kitchen truck. As soon as he got a kitchen truck, he hated it because he had to clean up after himself. <laughs> it was, he was one of them that just loved to moan, I think. But um, chefs can be pretty touchy, but James and John, I think we've got pretty lightly. Although I haven't had to work with them. I bet he's there like bossing Lucas around like there's no tomorrow, aren't you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. You should come and have a, have a shift down, down here. We should we, do. We should like mix it up a bit because yeah. I've always said chefs by far have the hardest job. You know, Swanee's in that piece of piss, isn't it, really? You next. Mark is a decent chef, to be fair, when he has to. Yeah. I bet he's the king of the omelette, isn't he, in, um, <laughs> in Tady? Yeah, and loves a barbecue, does Marco. Mm. Whenever he's come to he's come to LA a few times with us in January. And um, yeah, no, fair play. He looks after us well. Nice. Shall we have some listener questions, G? Because your um, arrival on the pod this week, James, has got people excited. I'm going to start us off with one from Dickie G from Patreon. Dickie G asks, do any of the other teams, staff or riders try to get in on the Ineos food truck? And if so, any repeat offenders? Um, any other teams was that, sorry? Yeah, riders, riders and yeah. staff from other teams who come up with some spurious excuse. Oh, you have to go catch up with G about something. Food? Yeah, I will actually. Go on then. Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. I don't think anyone does, do they? Even staff aren't allowed on, though. Only like senior management generally allowed on, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, all I can think of is other other team chefs. They kind of stroll in every now and again. They don't even knock. Really, <laughs> have a little look, yeah. see well, what the fair's like. Have a chat, maybe maybe grab a coffee. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's quite um, it's quite a respected place, I guess. Yeah, it's like a church. <laughs> hey, right, I've got the next one. Sarah Callahan from Patreon. Any vegetarians slash vegans on the team? How do you find cooking for these riders? What's the best vegan slash veggie high protein meal ride snack mm. oh jeez don't um, think we have any we, we don't have any veggies or vegans thankfully um, yeah. makes it quite easy um, but yeah best veggie vegan snack pre-ride um, Spanish yeah. omelette mate yeah <laughs> that's that's vegan right oh no v vegan eggs oh come on apart <laughs> from the egg veggie yeah. at least yeah. vegans they just well, I'll be careful what I say, but you know, yeah, bit of tofu. That's about all they can have, isn't it, for protein? Yeah. Are there um, any high-profile veggies in the uh, peloton? Don't think so. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, obviously Linda McCartney tried to be, didn't they? But well, yeah, they had a cycling team. I think that most people have veg not aren't even vegetarians, but. Anyway, here's another one. Phil Jones from Patreon. Have you ever made G Welsh cakes? I don't believe I have, to be honest. No, you haven't, mate. No, I no, think I know I've mentioned it once or twice. but Yeah, yeah I keep hinting every I, race. but I think I've always asked the nutritionist, but they've said there's too much fat in them. <laughs> uh, that explains quite a lot, actually. Here is a question from Freya Neil. Freya would like to know, who is the rider that's hardest to cook for? Hardest to cook for? Um, the one that comes to mind is Tom Pickock. 
Absolutely. He's um yeah, I mean it's not hard to cook for. Um he probably is the one who comes with most requests. <laughs> so yeah, is he quite fussy like like Sar, my wife is she's got better, but she's really particular like textures and stuff can like make her not like food and she's quite like but she knows what she likes and she, but is Tom like that or is he more just just fussy? Yeah, it's not it's not textures and everything. I think um yeah, there just seems to be maybe a request every day. And um like what? Um truffle. Yeah, yeah truffle. He's got an expensive taste, doesn't he? Yeah. Truffle truffles. Boy from Leeds is having truffles. Truffle in the omelette. Yeah, it's like a twenty euro omelet. <laughs> um, Blimey, Charlie. Yeah, um, but but now I think it's you know when you when you have a meal plan and it's um, you know it's maybe five pm and then you get a special request and you're in the thick of it, um, you know, it just makes it quite challenging to squeeze that in. I guess for that specific I, meal time. I think James, if you don't do this already, you should have some sort of spreadsheet where each rider is only allowed a certain number of special requests per race. So if Peacock's bringing his truffle chat for a fourth consecutive day, it's got to bin it off. That's an excellent shout, yeah. <laughs> Next one, Chris Gams. We've kind of covered this a bit, but how have food types and portions changed over the last five years with a quantum leap in sports, nutrition, science? Um, yes. Yeah, like we said, I think um, when I first joined the team, we weren't weighing food. Um, you know, thing, you know, food was just up on the buffet and you guys would just help yourselves. But yeah, you know, the last, the last three years, I'd say we've really started to, um, go meal by meal, um, sort of weight by weight. One thing is, am I right in thinking that a few years ago, like Dave B and Tim, there was a big thing about don't make the food too nice because the riders are overeating because it's <gasps> too nice. Yeah. 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 That was, the they thing. were told to make it super bland. And we were all like, but that's the highlight of the day. Like, but that was a thing, right? Yeah, definitely. That was that was a big thing for me, to be honest. Yeah. Um I remember it kind of goes I, against being a chef, doesn't it? Exactly. Oh, I'm gonna make this as untasty as <laughs> that's a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I remember <laughs> career development. I remember that conversation and um yeah, it hit me hard. Um that you know, remove the flavour, please. But um <laughs> but yeah, thankfully we've kind of, you know. We, we've gone back to being allowed a little bit of creativity and, you know. Because Tim was sacked and Dave's moved on. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all fat again. Maybe we'll win a tour if we go back to bland. <laughs> we try it this year. No. <laughs> Who would want to win the tour under such circumstances? Um, I've got a final question for us, James. Okay, so you're in the kitchen truck. You've got all your cupboards full of um, various foodstuffs, ingredients, everything else. Right, if you open the cupboard and you were missing one ingredient which would be the worst ingredient to miss oh um the worst to miss this will be a joke between an, another chef and the team but i say zartar i don't know if you're if you, you've clocked onto this one g but it's a spice we use on almost absolutely everything what is zartar so zartar is a middle eastern spice um it's a mixture of uh, many different things sesame um, a mixture of different herbs, thyme, salt, sumac. Mm. We put it on a lot of things. <laughs> but it adds so much flavour and there's many different variants of it. Is it quite Ottolenghi? Is it an Ottolenghi style ingredient? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Ottolenghi. And um, yeah, I mean, that's... that's knowledge that, Tom. Knowledge. Yeah, quite, I've yeah. bagged that one a little bit, James. Yeah. 
And that's the kind of vibe we go with, really, isn't it? Like, if you were to sum up the style, Ottolenghi would maybe be it. And and um, so yeah, Tata. Mm. Nice. I have actually got one more question, G, and this is for both of you. And I've been thinking about this since you described the uh, the buffet um, on offer in the kitchen truck. What, in both your opinions, is the best pasta shape of all? Penne all day long. Or oh, rigatoni. No, rigatoni, but bigger that one, right? Uh, it's a bigger yeah. penne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a... For me, that is the one. And Saar makes the best spag bowl, but not with spaghetti, with rigatoni. So rigatoni a la ragu. Amazing. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to not give you an answer and say every pasta... Every pasta sauce has a different shape of pasta, so it depends on the sauce. I can't mm-hmm. choose one. I can you off a bit there, Macaroni can start off. I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit too like, small. Yeah. I'm not yeah. a big fan of spaghetti or linguine either. It's a bit too messy. Mm. I like my shapes. The bow tie one, that's a cool one. The Fab family. Yeah, I'm not, in, I'm not into the fusilli multicolored stuff. No? What gives it a different color? I've no idea what they do to that. Yeah, you can tell. We've never gone down that road, have we? No, no, (laughs) not into that one. Um, The massive fusilli ones, what are they called? They're good. I'm into size, you know? What about the big shell ones, like the giant shells? Oh, they're good as well, yeah. 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 Big big bowl for that, though. Get some then, Jeff. (laughs) 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 All right, yeah. well, yeah, we've, we've kept you too long now. It's about time you need to get off and make those truffle Welsh cakes for me <laughs> for tonight. And the taster meal. And the taster meal, yeah. yeah. Eight right. courses minimum, please, James. So when will you start right. cooking? So it's 20 past three now. What's the plan now for dinner? Um, I'm going to get straight back down there and crack on because it's basically me alone. So, Oh, is John gone? Yeah, John's left. John and, Gab- and uh, Gabrielli left me yesterday, so I'm solo. Oh. So, yeah triple the work now oh sweet right well you should definitely be helping out yeah well dinner eight o'clock then instead of 7 30 or what (laughs) could be nice yeah (laughs) sweet well cheers james and see you later thanks very much guys been a pleasure Right, G, what do you reckon? So when the time has come for you to uh, let someone else ride your expensive Pinarello, are you going to give James a hand in the kitchen? Oh, no. I'd love to employ him as a private chef, though, which I won't be able to afford, but he's a, he's a good lad, old James. Well, and John as well, who we mentioned. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not a cook. I can maybe chop up some veg. I can maybe get my truck license and drive the kitchen truck. I'm quite good at cleaning up. I quite enjoy it. It's quite therapeutic, isn't it, you know? It is, yeah. Big carnage in the kitchen and you... The initial stages where it doesn't seem to go down, you just seem to just be doing stuff for 10 minutes and nothing's happening. But then suddenly, like a season, like we said, it's gone and you've done it. And it's such a nice feeling. So, But let's be honest, I'm not going to drive the kitchen truck and clean up after the boys. <laughs> Messy buggers, but... I like to think that you will have a life pass. So let's say you're at a, a stage race and Ineos or whichever future iteration the team it may be um, are competing, then you're allowed just to walk in and help yourself at any point. That's the thanks for your many years of service. Oh, that would that's a great idea. I might get that in my retirement if there was a retirement contract, which there isn't, but I might try and get that in there, yeah. yeah. Lifetime membership of the kitchen truck. 
<laughs> yeah, no truffles though. That's the th like, I don't get the whole truffle thing. They're so expensive. They don't add anything. They do add something. It's not that great. Like, yeah. Like salt. If salt was that expensive, we'd be like, yeah, banging. That really adds a meal. <laughs> truffle is just a bit like, phew, I don't know. I know what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind it, but I'm not paying that much for a bloody bit of truffle on my pasta. I remember seeing someone who had no idea of the cost of truffle in a restaurant once where the waiter came over. He had a plate of pasta <laughs> in front of him and a truffle yeah. and a grater and did the sort of the ceremonial one brush of the truffle over mm. the grater. And this mate had no idea and just looked at the little slight dusting of truffle, looked a bit offended, but go, go on, mate, do it properly. Like it was Parmesan or something. So the waiter looks a bit perturbed and gave it another. <laughs> and then he just kept going, come on, mate, I want to see some of this stuff. See if you can guess how much his pasta cost him by the, the time he'd finished. Oh, like it was just yeah, a bit the basic, quid. but a small 120 quid. What? <laughs> That's exactly my point. Exactly my point. Jesus. Wow. Well, there we go. Go careful with your truffle. And before we go this week, G, a little serious message of good luck and goodwill to our regular listener, Ian Crook. Now, Ian was involved in a pretty serious hit and run accident about six weeks ago. At the point it happened, his injuries were life-threatening. We're told he's recovering well, although he's facing a pretty big battle. So listen, Ian, we understand you're being really upbeat about the future. We're all down with that. So from me and G and from everyone involved at the GTCC, keep on fighting. You will be back on your bike soon. Yeah, all well, the best, mate. Recover well and hopefully, uh, hopefully see you on that bike soon. There you go, Ian. For all of us here, best of luck. See you all next time. Network, a place where you belong.